Today, I am doing the sixth in a series called Questions and the Quest. And today's title is, Who is Jesus Christ? Palm Sunday marks the day when Jesus triumphantly enters Jerusalem before he was betrayed, tried, and crucified. Our story starts with the reaction of the crowds who saw him enter. Jesus chose Jerusalem to, to chose the date and time to enter Jerusalem as being the Passover festival. The Jewish people at the time of Jesus and currently celebrate Passover to, to celebrate the escape of the Jews from Israel and the escape from slavery due to God. It has been estimated that up to two and a half million people came to Jerusalem for Passover. Jewish law stated that every male living within 20 miles of Jerusalem had to go to the Passover festival. But not only the Jews from Palestine came. Jews from all over the world came to Jerusalem to celebrate the festival. All four Gospels tell the story of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. He comes riding a donkey, which is symbolic because he comes in peace. He has many followers before him and after him that enter with him. They are laying down their cloaks on the roadway so the donkey walks over them. They are waving palm branches to celebrate his arrival. And this is also symbolic because an ancient king of Israel entered Jerusalem triumphantly in the exact same way. As Jesus passes, they shout several names at him, including the son of David, prince of peace, the prophet, comes in the name of the Lord. They also yell out, as I hope you know by now, Hosanna, Hosanna, which is a joyful term but means save us. But most importantly, Many believed that when Jesus came into Jerusalem, he was the Messiah. He was the one who was going to rid them of the brutal Roman rule and make Israel a powerful nation over all of its neighbors and perhaps over the world. They also recognized his deeds that showed great power, healing people of all kinds of illness and raising people from the dead. Clearly, Jesus was recognized as a very unique and special person in a very unique and special relationship with God. One thing is very important in that recognition, and that is that he was a human being. In many ways, he was just like those who were welcoming him into the city. He demonstrated human emotions and had seen and experienced the extreme of human emotions. And many of those who were witnessing his triumphal entry had also seen those emotions in Jesus. They knew that while he had extraordinary power, he also had emotions just like they did. The emotions of Jesus is what I would like to talk about today. His emotions rarely get top billing when you talk about Jesus. 
in the last several months, I have talked to you about Jesus in a sermon, a Bible study, two book studies, and a meditation. And I did not deal with the emotions of Jesus. And in fact, they are rarely dealt with. However, if we are to call to live our lives with Jesus at the center of our lives, then it is important for us to see Jesus just as those did who saw him entering Jerusalem. There are two emotions of Jesus that do get talked about. The first is love, and the second is compassion. In fact, one can say Jesus is love, and Jesus is compassion. He can be defined by those emotions. However, the Gospels tell us that there are other emotions Jesus displays that are important to understand him, who he is, and his meaning in our lives. I'm going to talk about three of them. Anger, grief, and worry or anxiety. Sound familiar to anybody? To describe Jesus as angry may come as a surprise to some. There are several scenes in the Bible that do show that Jesus could flare with anger. Our first scriptural passage describes the famous scene in which Jesus cleanses the temple. The sight of Jesus white hot with anger, taking a whip and driving all the people and all the, all the animals out of the temple had to be a truly terrifying sight. To fully understand his anger, we have to look at the circumstances that caused it. They take place in the temple in Jerusalem. And there was a temple tax that had to be paid. That tax was one half shekel, which is the equivalent, more or less, of five dollars today. But back then, it was the equivalent of two days of wages. Many people couldn't afford to pay that. The temple tax had to be paid in either Galilean or temple money. Any other currencies were foreign to the temple and therefore deemed to be unclean and could not be used in the temple. This, of course, brought about another issue, and that is anybody who had currency other than those two had to exchange it for the temple currency. Therefore, people called money changes, money changers emerged. They did not simply exchange unacceptable money for that which was acceptable, but they also, of course, charged for their services. They charged for every half shekel they changed, and that was not a small amount. Many people, including the foreigners, could not afford to come and pay those fees to change their money, and therefore they not, could not worship in the temple. Finally, many of the offerings made at the temple involved the giving of animals to be sacrificed for some reason. Now, one might think that all one had to do is to get the animal you needed, bring it to the temple, and let the priest use it for whatever sacrifice you wanted. Uh-uh. It wasn't quite that simple. Because, by law, sacrificial animals had to be perfect and unblemished. The temple authorities, of course, 
charged a fee to examine the animals that were brought from outside of the temple. And just about everyone would be found to be imperfect or blemished and therefore couldn't be used in the sacrificial process. So that meant that someone making an offering had to go buy an animal inside the temple. And those animals were, the charges for those animals were about 15 to 20 times what it would be in the market. Once again, many people could not afford to pay those prices. So what does all this mean? What had the temple become? Well, in the words of Jesus, it had become a house of trade and where people were openly exploited for their money. It also meant that people of modest means, let alone the poor, could worship there. They found it difficult to worship there because they could not afford all the fees. Also, foreigners were clearly discriminated against when they came. Therefore, it is very understandable that Jesus took a whip and drove out all the tax collectors, the money changers, and the animals from the temple while yelling, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. Our second scriptural passage for today deals with Jesus showing the emotion of grief. In this passage, he actually weeps. The Greek word used for weep means to openly cry, cry like a child. He weeps over the future of Jerusalem. He has this emotion on his way to Jerusalem for his triumphal entry there on the first Palm Sunday. His sadness is brought about by the fact that while he is on his way, he comes around a corner and sees the beauty of Jerusalem. And also, he saw its terrible future. He saw the various Jewish factions that sought power and prestige and what their seeking would bring to Jerusalem. A horrible, horrible and catastrophic destruction. It would bring down the temple, the entire city, and almost everyone who lived in the city. Any war between Roman and Jewish rebels that started in about 66 A.D. did in fact end in absolute destruction and total obliteration of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. The rebels had taken over the city and had successfully held it. A few days before Passover, several Roman legions surrounded the entire city and would not let anyone enter or would they let anyone leave. The city was filled with pilgrims from many lands who came for Passover. The siege lasted for seven months. Soon, starvation and illness set in among those who were trapped. Also, the rebels began to fight among themselves, and many of them killed each other. The horrors within the city ended in a most terrible way when the Romans finally did enter the city and killed 
almost everyone that was within it, men, women, and children. The Romans then literally obliterated any sign of most of the city. They wanted to show that it virtually never existed. Well, Jesus saw the result of the rejection of the peace he tried to bring to Jerusalem. The vision prompted him to weep and to say, If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now, now they are hidden from your eyes. I want to include a third scriptural passage today that has deep personal meaning for me. It deals with the emotions of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he is arrested. The story is from Matthew 26, 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And then going a little further, he threw himself down on the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but your will. Then he came back to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit is indeed willing. But the flesh is weak. Again, he went away for a second time and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came back to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Doesn't take much to see the worry or even anxiety experienced by Jesus in these words. He is now quite sure that death lay ahead of him. No one wants to die at the age of 33, and certainly no one wants to die by the terrible death of crucifixion. It is understandable why Jesus asked God to take the cup of a horrific death away from him. The circumstances that brought about his worry and anxiety are important. But the fact that Jesus would experience and publicly show his worry and anxiety is also important for us to understand who Jesus is and what and who Jesus means to us.
So, what are the emotions of anger, grief, and worry that were exhibited by Jesus mean to us in the living of our lives, our everyday lives? First, Jesus Christ should be directing the way we live our lives. He is the guide that we should be following in all that we do. Second, he shows us in our biblical passages for today that it is okay and, in fact, necessary to have emotional responses to situations that cry out for them. His anger in the temple shows that we, too, should be angry when people are exploited by a great power. This is particularly true when the exploitation prevents people from worshiping God. It also shows us that any institution should not prevent the poor from fulfilling the roles in their lives because they do not have funds at the time. Once again, this is especially true when they wish to worship God. Next, Jesus' view of Jerusalem shows that we are called to experience sadness to the point of weeping, weeping like a child. When we see those who foster war and societal division to promote their own personal or political gain that is in the end only going to lead to unrest, violence, death and destruction. Jesus saw the future of Jerusalem that turned away from him and the peace that he could have offered. It then led to political infighting and led to a fight against the almighty forces of Rome. Trust me, the outcome was a foregone conclusion. The total destruction of one of the most beautiful wonders of the world and the center of the Jewish faith, the temple, along with the obliteration of the city in which it existed and the brutal and horrible death of just about everyone that lived within the city. That can and should bring us to tears over what happened. And finally, we are called by Jesus to fear those forces that seek to silence people who speak the truth, to seek peace, and to advocate for the rights of the poor, the dispossessed, those that are discriminated against, and those that have been marginalized. That is a true statement, even though the truth may be in direct opposition to the powerful forces who direct society. But we also need to remember the words of Jesus after he asked God to take from him the cup of the terrible ending of his life. When he immediately said, but not my will, but your will be done. His worry and anxiety then turned into strength and to courage. He immediately went out to literally stand up against the powerful forces that were seeking to silence him and every single thing he stood for. Just like Jesus, we 
are called to face our anxiety, brought on by the same forces that face Jesus, conquer that anxiety as Jesus did, and move on to stand up to those forces with courage and with strength. So on this Palm Sunday, let us all become exuberantly emotional over the aspects of our faith. Let us become exuberantly emotional over the same forces that Jesus faced. Because you see, Jesus had a very emotional faith in God. And that is who he was. And that is who we all should be. Amen.